Welcome to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show. Here you will find a variety of podcasts from authors, bloggers, and speakers ready to encourage you on your daily journey. I can't wait to get started. And now let's listen to today's show. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join me, Katie Glennon, on the Literary Cafe podcast, where I share helpful tips and ideas to teach language arts, literature, and writing. My hope is for you to be able to walk away excited to try some new ideas in your own homeschool. Please visit me on my website, literarycafepodcast.com, for these ideas and resources to help you enjoy your homeschool journey. Hi, and welcome back to the Literary Cafe podcast. Today's podcast will be about what essential writing you want to make sure to include in your homeschool high school. If you have younger children that are struggling to write or you want to just warm your high schooler up to writing because it's been kind of a struggle for them, you will definitely want to listen to last month's podcast about how to help your struggling writer. Make sure you download that and other podcasts to help your children in their reading and writing, and you don't want to miss out on these helpful tips and practices that I've included in these podcasts. You'll want to subscribe to the podcast so you know when a new one comes out each month. Also, make sure you share this and other podcasts so that your friends can help their children with reading and writing as well. And I invite you to come visit me at katieshomeschoolcottage.com for more ideas to use in your homeschooling. Now, I believe that reading and writing are cornerstones to doing well with other subjects. And in this previous podcast that I've already talked about, and I've mentioned about how to get your writers started writing in their natural voice, and to get over that look of deer caught in headlights that they get when facing a blank piece of paper, it starts with the very basics to the first kind of formal essay that I recommend that all upper middle schoolers and entering high schoolers make sure that they know how to do. And that's the five paragraph informative essay. Now for this topic for high schoolers, let's start with what do you do if you have a high schooler who is struggling or hates to write? I recommend you follow what what I explain in that previous podcast that I've mentioned about struggling writers and that you start with oral narration of a short chapter of a narrative piece of writing. And it can be fiction or nonfiction, something that tells a story in sequential order so that your child can get used to retelling the story and the sequence of events in that story or chapter back to you. Now, I've mentioned before that learning and practicing, retelling a story may seem like a simple task, but there's a lot going on there to prepare children of all ages to write. It's a pre-writing exercise. They have to recall the information that they've heard or read. They need to sort out the order of the sequence of events. 
They need to decide which details are important to include and which ones they can leave out because they're not so important. They begin to utilize vocabulary words used in the context of their reading, and then they formulate their thoughts into sentences as they retell the story or whatever they've just read out loud back to you. Now, all of these are valuable pre-writing skills, and they're skills that are actually utilized during the writing process. So I really encourage you to spend the time really fostering and nurturing these pre-writing skills that really occur all in the head and then orally first before trying to write them down on paper. Now, after your learner can effectively narrate orally, it's time to have them do the retelling in writing on paper. I have even had my ninth grade classes that I've taught before in homeschool co-ops and um, privately read a short story, like the elves and the shoemaker, let's say, and then we've reviewed the sequence of events with like a plot map to show what happened first, next, what the climax of the story was, and then what the falling action was, because it helped us to review what the key events were happening in that story and um, the order in which they happened. And then after we did this kind of review, then they would rewrite the story in their own words. Now this has them do all of the skills that I've just mentioned with this whole thinking um, of what to include and how to word it and the vocabulary and uh, formulating their thoughts into sentences. But this time, instead of retelling the story orally, they're retelling in their own voice naturally on paper. Now, people naturally can talk off the top of their heads in a conversation about a topic that they feel informed about and that they're obviously interested in, which helps them remember the information. Now, I practice using this natural skill in students' writing, and I did this with my own kids. I've done it online. I've done it in the classroom um, for around 30 years now, and I have them write down the sentences in their own voice using their own words and sentence structure. So I have them come up with a topic that they feel very comfortable talking about in a conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody orally so that they can get them just comfortable um, with putting sentences on paper. This way they don't have to feel this deer cotton headlights of what am I going to write about? How am I going to say it? How am I going to relate this information? What should I include? What should I not include? What you're focusing on here is a topic that they already know about. They don't even have to think about that. All they have to do is talk about it in their own words, but instead of orally, put it on paper. And then once they feel comfortable putting sentences on paper, then we can go back and learn how to revise the sentences and polish them by adding in more descriptive words or variations of phrases to start or end their sentences and add transition words to help join their thoughts and sentences and paragraphs together on paper. So from here, 
Once your children in the upper middle and early high school years, they are now comfortable retelling short stories or narrative chapters, it's time to move on to what is called a properly formatted five-paragraph essay. Now, again, I start with an informative essay in this format first because I feel it's the easiest to start with. And when I say informative, I'm talking about, again, just choosing a topic that someone knows a lot of information about it and they can tell you about that information. And I have a list of suggested types of essays in the show notes that you can choose from during the late middle to high school years, depending upon where your child is and what they're ready for. So make sure you take a look at that list of essay topics, uh, essay choices, the types of essays, as well as a list of places to find essay prompts um, so that they can choose a topic to write about in the show notes on this page. Now, I also tend to emphasize expository or more factual writing over creative writing first at this stage um, because of a couple of reasons. The first one being being able to write a variety of essays is more useful and practical in terms of what will be required to get into college and what they're going to use in college. Secondly, for a student that finds writing challenging, it's easier to put factual thoughts on paper first and to start writing about something that's nonfiction about the facts than it is to write about something that's fictional and trying to write some kind of an effectual descriptive manner. So if you're finding that writing is a challenge, you want to start with the easiest first. So once writing is not such a challenge and it's become easier, that's when I recommend that you bring in the more creative aspects of writing with more descriptive writing, with adjectives and bringing in the five senses and imagery and being more creative in the fictional side and making things up, um, then once you're comfortable with writing, then you can focus on trying to figure out what it is that you're going to write about. So your learners will find it much easier to write about a topic that they feel comfortable with and they know a lot about. And as I usually say to my students, pick a topic that you could sit with a friend and talk off the top of your head about for 15 minutes. This way, your writer can concentrate on just getting the words and sentences on paper in the proper format, instead of also having to worry about what to write about, which that's usually the first and biggest hurdle is what to write about. Once they feel comfortable and they feel like they've got something to say, you've crossed that hurdle and now you can focus on how do you format it. Now, <clears throat> your format needs to follow the typical five paragraphs that use first an introductory paragraph with a topic or a thesis statement and mentions the three subtopics or details that's going to be discussed in the paper about that general topic. And those three subtopics are going to be talked about in what are called the three body paragraphs. Then your paper is then finished with a concluding paragraph with a restatement of the topic 
and then what's called a strong finishing statement. So the main skill to focus on is to make sure that they can follow this format without challenges because this format is going to help them to write other forms of essays and they can begin to vary the number of paragraphs for the essay, but they maintain the structure with the beginning and concluding paragraphs and their body paragraphs in between. The key to make sure the body paragraphs have supporting details and examples that support and directly relate to the thesis or topic sentence stated in the introductory paragraph. You want to make sure that what's discussed in those body paragraphs in the middle, in those three middle paragraphs, are directly related to the topic that was introduced and stated in the first paragraph. If you throw in something that's a detail that really has nothing to do with what you've been mostly talking about, you don't want that detail in there. And this goes back to the sorting out what's important, what's all related, what do I want to include, and what do I want to throw out. If they're writing their draft and it's the first time they're getting their ideas on paper, um, on paper in these paragraphs, go ahead and just let them brain dump and throw it all on there. Then you're going to want to go back and help them weed out the the ones, the sentences, or the details they've included or examples they've included that don't have anything to do with the rest of the paper. Now, after they master this, you'll want to emphasize polishing the paragraphs with transition words where it helps introduce the next paragraph or helps introduce the next sentence, and it acts as a bridge from one idea to the next, from one sentence to the next, and from one paragraph to the next. Then after the transition words, you want to look at varying your sentence structure. And that would include maybe adding different types of phrases, prepositional phrases, um, different types of uh, clausal phrases in the beginnings of sentences. You want to make sure that they're not all starting with a subject and then a verb and then the rest of the sentence, a subject, a verb, and then the rest of the sentence. Those are very boring sentences. <laughs> and that you'll know that they sound very elementary when you read them and that you need to somehow toss in a few things there in the beginning of the sentences to add some variety. You also want to look at the strength of their content, as I said. Does all their content that's added in there have to do with the main topic that was introduced in the introductory paragraph? Are they very good, strong details and examples and make your writing clear to the reader? Or is there anything that's confusing? And you want to practice good editing skills. And that includes not just going through a paper once and reading through to make sure it makes sense, and then at the same time, if you catch spelling errors or punctuation or capitalization type errors, you know, then go ahead and, and catch those. What you want to do is get into the habit of looking for something different each time you read through the paper. You want them to edit their paper several times. So the first run through when they're reading their paper it may be about 
looking for making sure that it just sounds smooth and that it flows from one idea to the next. Are there any sentences that just don't seem to make sense? Go ahead and rephrase those. Then read through a second time, this time looking for spelling errors. So now instead of concentrating on does it sound right and the concept of the sentences, you're now looking at word by word by word by word and making sure that they're spelled correctly. Then the second, the third run through, you're going to look through it and see if everything that should be capitalized is capitalized. And you're, again, word by word. And while you're doing that, you can also bring in another editing that you're going to be doing, which would be the punctuation, the, sent, the uh, uh, periods, the commas, the semicolons, that kind of thing. So you could do those two things at the same time because looking for capitals is not as uh, difficult and challenging and uh, all brain consuming as some of the other editing that you're going to do. So you might look for making sure that everything that's supposed to be capitalized is capitalized and then looking at the punctuation at the same time. So you'll want to go through at least three times, not just once. I've had students who rely on spell checker on their word processing program um, and they don't even read it through themselves, and then they just pass the paper in. And I always call it uh, using Mrs. Glennon's editing service because they're expecting me to catch their mistakes for them um, because they're not really thoroughly editing their own paper. This is something that if your child is going to be going from high school to college, they need to make sure that they're editing their own papers thoroughly before handing it in because they're not going to get a second chance. Those teachers, unless they're um, a, an English composition teacher who is allowing kids to hand in a rough draft and then a final, most professors are going to grade whatever is given to them the first time. So your high school students should be prepared for that. There are other forms of essays that your learner will want to practice and hone during the high school years that's going to help them prepare for either college entrance exams and applications or college classes themselves. And I recommend working on the persuasive essay after learning the five paragraph format and the informative essay that we've just discussed. The persuasive essay is relatively easy to slide into the five paragraph format because you can pick one side of an argument or topic and choose three supporting arguments with examples and details to, port, to, to, to support your side of the argument in your three-body paragraph. So you have an introductory paragraph where you're stating your side of the argument, and maybe you're giving three general statements about why you believe what you believe. And then in those three supporting body paragraphs, you're going to take each supporting argument and give details and examples that are going to fortify your argument. And then you would close with a concluding paragraph, again, restating your side of the argument and revisiting or summarizing why you believe what you believe. You can also vary this essay to prepare for the essay portion of standardized tests where they require a paragraph in this paper to address a counter argument against your thesis or side of the argument. So not only are you trying to find details and examples to support your side of the argument, but then you also have to include a 
paragraph in there that acknowledges, uh, let's say, an argument that someone else might have that is opposed to yours. And then you go ahead and after stating that opposing point to your side of the argument, you then counter that argument specifically with another point that you might have up your sleeve to argue against that side, that point of view. Now, this kind of paper is also required in college classes about a topic the professor may be discussing in class and requires the student to come up with their own points about a topic, or it uses a couple of resources found in academic journals or articles that the professor provides in class. And the professor would want you to come up with uh, some kind of a, an argument or persuasive paper as opposed to that topic or for that topic or article that the professor is sharing. Another type of paper similar to this in the college classroom that you're going to want to get your high schooler prepared for is a point of view that's given on a topic and it's given inside assigned readings that the professor gives you. And it's a compare and contrast paper because the readings, they may have some common aspects to them, but then they might have some opposing aspects from each author to them. And the professor wants you to compare and contrast those articles and compare and contrast those points of views of those particular authors of the articles. Now, this can be a bit challenging in deciding how to organize that kind of paper, because if you go back and forth too much, it can, can be confusing to the reader. And you wanna make sure that the reader can clearly understand the opposing viewpoints, and then also what those viewpoints have in common and then what's different between the two. So I recommend practicing writing this kind of paper uh, where you mention the issue or the topic, and then you describe the point of view from each source and state whether it's a point of view that they have in common or if they contrast and how they contrast. So you would do that in one or two paragraphs, and then you would move on to another point that's brought up in the articles, and then again, compare what the two authors have in common, and then discuss what they have in contrast again. And you would wanna mention each source in the same order each time. You don't want to mention one source and the author first in the first paragraph, and then the next um, author and article in the next paragraph, and then switch them around later in the in the essay. It becomes too confusing. So make sure you have those articles or authors or points of view in the same order each time. Now, as I said, these papers can be very challenging to write because the writer understands what they're trying to say, but they tend to be the most confusing for the reader. So they are definitely worth practicing in high school if your child has a future goal of attending college. So make sure you at least try to write one compare and contrast paper. Now, if college is a plan, writing a narrative essay would also be good practice because this type of essay is usually requested on college applications. Now, with a prompt, a 
college will usually ask the applicant to write an essay in the narrative form to allow the college to gain insight into the college applicant. Being able to relate a personal anecdote in a narrative and descriptive manner is essential. Okay, so it doesn't, it, we're not talking about a narrative creative writing assignment here. You, if your child is um, terrific at creative writing, if they want to add some creative aspects to their writing, that's great. But this is more of a nonfiction anecdotal type um, essay. And to write it in a narrative and descriptive manner is not only going to make the essay shine, but it's going to give insight to those college admission officers who are going to be reading it. Now, this is where the show, not tell type of writing comes in. So this, again, is more challenging because you're bringing in some more descriptive and creative type writing in instead of just the facts. The ability to, to describe situations so that the reader, or in this case, the admissions personnel can see and experience what the writer is describing is essential here. So that there's more creative writing here that intersects with the expository writing. So the more effectively your learner can write descriptively and show an experience and paint a picture of that experience through imagery and using the five senses to describe what's happening in that little short anecdote that they're sharing um, of an experience, rather than just telling the facts about that it happened, the better the essay you've got here. So remember, showing with description of the use of imagery and your five senses and painting a picture so that the reader can actually feel like they're in the middle of that experience with the writer is essential with these type of college application narrative essays. Now, another form of essay writing that's essential and that you should try to attempt at least once during high school um, in preparation for college is the research paper. Now, I feel like kids nowadays, they have a lot better than what I had when I was growing up because everything is on the computer now. They don't have to go to the card catalog and do creative searching of topics on their own and come up with words to look or in a creative um, way with a card catalog, or go to the local library or even a big regional library to find information on what, well, when I was there, it was almost like tapes. Um, and then they moved to microfiche. <laughs> I don't know if any of you remember using these, but it was a complex and very time-intensive research project. Nowadays, everything's on the internet, and they even have journals and back articles from magazines and newspapers that can be easily found in a Google search now. So um, they do have that side of it a lot easier. They also have the idea that they can type the paper on their computers as opposed to a typewriter and having to leave room at the bottom of their pages for footnotes and using the correction tapes that we used to have to use. So that aspect is a lot easier as well. And I feel like the formats that they use nowadays is easier than what we used to have.
they have gotten away from the footnotes and the endnotes and putting a number one and finding the footnote down at the bottom for most papers. But you want to be able to use the required format of the paper that your class is requiring and cite your sources from your research that most college classes are going to require. Now, there's a few common formats that your students may be required to use in classes. And these formats, they do change their requirements every few years, but the basics remain the same. So if your student receives practice using one or two of these kinds of formats in high school, it's going to be easier for them to use the formats later, even though they might undergo some minor changes over the next few years. The most popular format is the MLA format. Now this type of paper is usually required in what would be a required freshman English class where the professor reviews with the students how to do a proper research paper, for the rest of their classes and years in college. These papers also usually have a literary or humanities type topic and requires a few different sources of different formats and include in-text citations and a works cited page at the end of the paper instead of what we used to call a bibliography at the end of the paper. Other popular forms are the APA and Chicago formats where the foot uh, notes or the end notes may be cited and require different details in regard to the source information. For these research papers, I strongly recommend that your learner gets familiar with the guidebooks that are available for these formats so that they get used to using them as a reference as to how to document their sources. It's also necessary to make sure they understand the importance of rephrasing or retelling it information that they've read, which I've discussed earlier, because the information that they've been researching and writing about, it would be very easy to go ahead and use those same words that you've just read about and rewrite those same words on your piece of paper as you're researching them. But you're, you want to be careful about rewording all of it in your own words, and you want to talk to them about avoiding plagiarism. The only time that you're going to be using someone else's words is in a direct quote from a source, and it should be in quotation marks and cited properly with the source of that quote. Now, I'm emphasizing this because it can be difficult for a student to avoid using the same words that another writer has used when doing their research for a paper. So the practice of rephrasing really is an essential part of writing in high school so that it's not so difficult later on and your child will definitely be glad that you took the time for the practice. Mine both, now that they're in college and also grad school, they definitely are because they find it a lot easier to write their research papers and papers in, in school now. Another paper that you'll want to include during high school would be some kind of literary analysis whether it's about a nonfiction piece of writing, a short story, or a novel. And I would definitely do something along these lines for the first attempt of some sort of an analytical paper about what a piece of writing is about instead of a poem, even though the poem is shorter. Because a poem can be harder to slog through for a first analytical attempt. 
they're harder to decipher the meaning because poems are very compact with a lot of double meanings and metaphors that maybe your child isn't quite ready to tackle yet for their first analytical paper. Now, this analysis can be as simple as just analyzing the main point of what a writer is trying to say in a non-piece of writing or analyzing what an author was trying to convey or a lesson that's to be learned from a short story or a novel. Other papers, after you've tried your hand at writing an analytical paper, can dive deeper into analyzing analogies, symbolism, characters in a story, or a plot for novels once your child is ready to go deeper, if that's an interest for you or your student. And this is where you can tie in literature with your writing assignments. So if you're studying American literature or British literature, um, this is where you can tie in those papers and kind of kill two birds with one stone here and get your writing credit along in with your literary credit. If you're looking for another kind of paper that's not too challenging and includes some analysis to tie in those higher level thinking skills while being a little bit different and fun, you can try a definition paper. A definition paper might be where you look at a concept and have your child define, describe, and give examples of that concept in a personal way. You may want to try a concept like what is a hero, or what is courage, or what is integrity, and what one of those means to your learner. Or your learner can bring in some original ways to present their ideas and maybe have a little fun with it, but also practicing using descriptive skills with details and examples. Details and examples are key to an effective piece of writing of any kind of essay. And the definition paper, when you get into this descriptive skills with details and examples, you might want to have the definition paper just focus on what is a mom? What is a little sister? What is a big brother? What is a dad? What is a loyal dog? So you can be a little bit more creative with your definition paper um, than something that's uh, very uh, cut and dry, like what is integrity or courage. But if you're interested in uh, entering some kind of essay contests, a lot of times the essay contests tend to focus on what would be considered almost like a definition paper. Now, if creative writing is something you want to explore, I would save that for a semester class where you can actually concentrate on studying pieces of creative writing in short stories, poems, a play, or a novel. And here, you would take the time to identify what the authors and poets used to make it an effective piece of writing with their writing styles and literary techniques. And again, this could be a partial literary credit because you could call it creative writing and short story or creative writing in the novel or something along those lines. I believe that in order to practice creative writing, you need to really look at some good examples of literature from previous authors and poets. And it's usually well-read people who make good writers. And that, that comes from being exposed to good writing where you pick up on ways to express yourself from ways you've seen authors express themselves effectively. 
So pick an author or poet and look at what makes their sentences or poetry so effective. How do they use literary devices like figurative language with metaphors and similes and imagery and other devices to convey a picture that a reader can see or use their senses to experience what is being described? Look at how writers or poets use mood and tone to convey a feeling that readers can begin to actually feel as they read through a literary piece. How does a certain author describe and use a character's words and actions so that we feel like we are actually getting to know that character and it brings the character to life? These are all fun and interesting things to look for in a piece of writing and then try to attempt to emulate it and practice it with our own writing if your learner is interested in writing creatively. And again, you can go back to narrative writing. You can go, you can do what would be considered a descriptive essay and describe your dog and use your five senses and figurative language and imagery and all the different literary techniques that you might have seen in a piece of descriptive writing of another author or a poet. Even if creative writing is not something that you want to practice in depth, just doing a unit on poetry or a unit on descriptive writing and looking at different kinds of poems and writing with literary devices and how the authors and poets have used them, and then having your learner practice writing a few different kinds of poems or writing a descriptive essay about a member of your family, or as I said, the pet, can be a learning experience and can be a lot of fun. And they can see how you can bring a piece of writing to life using these different literary techniques. They may discover that they actually enjoy poetry or descriptive essays now, and they don't find them as daunting or boring. So I hope that this overview of different kinds of writing and essays helps you see what and why you would want to include these in your high school years and how you might want to get started so that it's a smooth progression from easier writing to more challenging writing, especially for those writers who might feel a bit overwhelmed by it all. Make sure you take a look at the different types of essays I've listed in the show notes. Look at the different links that I've included for some prompts to give you some ideas of different kinds of essays to get you started writing them. And remember to download this episode so that you have it handy when planning out your high school years and what you want to include. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any episodes. Share with your friends to make high school essay writing sound less intimidating for them as well. And look for our podcast for February when we discuss using thinking skills while reading for all ages. And remember to come visit me at katieshomeschoolcottage.com. Thanks again for listening to the Literary Cafe podcast. And until next month, enjoy your homeschool journey. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit me at literarycafepodcast.com for this podcast and others, and at katieshomeschoolcottage.com for even more ideas and resources for you to use in your homeschool journey.
podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Look for the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show to keep up to date with all our wonderful podcasts. For a special subscriber printable pack, as well as all our timely freebies, join our email list on theultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com.